0: Welcome back everybody this is Arthur Staple you're listening to No Sleep Till Belmont the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Flying solo again today uh hoping everything's good with my co-host Mark Parrish but uh and he'll be back later this week for our second weekly episode but for now coming to you live from beautiful Vancouver um Islanders and Canucks late 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 tonight on the east coast 10 p.m for the east coast time seven o'clock locally here and um uh, Obviously another huge, huge one to see if the Islanders can get out of their slide that's now 2-7-3 in the last 12, uh, 19-20-7 since their 17-game point streak ended back in November. Um, For those of you who subscribe, maybe you saw the the piece that I posted uh, yesterday afternoon about short-term and long-term fixes that the Islanders, uh, in my view, could use. My view, not Lou Lamarillo's view, not Barry Trotz's view, because they're they do what they do, and I do what I do. So uh, it's just something for us to debate and, and think about. But, um, but you know, I think uh, the main one that I posted there and and uh, is really about playing, giving a little bit more opportunity to their few young guys that uh, that have gotten an opportunity. And it first and foremost falls to Noah Dobson, who is back in the lineup. Um, he's going to stay in the lineup. Johnny Boychuk is out here on this trip. He skated yesterday. Uh, Uh, out here in Vancouver with just a regular face shield. His eye looked a lot better. The swelling had gone way down from uh, the horrible incident that he had last week where he had 90 stitches on his eyelid and the surrounding area. Um, But I still think he's a little bit of a ways away. And even with that, his return to health, and I understand uh, how Barry Trotz feels about his veteran guys and especially guys like Boychuk, even though his minutes have been been pretty limited uh, throughout the course of the season. Um, You know, I think we saw – on Saturday with what Noah Dobson can bring that that Johnny Boychuk doesn't bring and really none of the other right shot defensemen bring um, on the tying goal late in the third period against Carolina where he made a little bit of a foray into the zone and had uh, Carolina forward Warren Fogle on him, backed off towards the the blue line, saw another opportunity and did an incredibly quick stop and start that caught Fogle a little wrong-footed, snuck through a check, wrapped the puck around. Bailey was right there. Um, I think you saw a lot of confused Carolina players in the D zone, which is what you want when your defensemen jump up in the play. And, and that's you know Noah Dobson using his feet uh, and his and his hockey sense, both of which are pretty uh, high-end, to make a play in a key moment. Um, and it was good that he was out there, that, that Barry Trotz trusted him enough uh, down a goal to say, we need a little bit of something that he can bring. Um, now I sort of feel like, let's see it when they're up a goal or two, or maybe tied, um, because this guy at 20 has really – you know he's seen and done a lot in his first year it's been it's been pretty limited he's still averaging you know 12 or 13 minutes a game which is not a lot for a defenseman um, and I think the 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 heaviness that of the minutes that we've talked about a lot and written about a lot has fallen on guys like Nick Letty guys like Ryan Pollock um, and the wear and tear is starting to show over these 12 games I think it's uh, I think it's nine goals that have been scored from the net front either on deflections or screens or rebounds that drop down in front of the net. Um, I think that's uh, you know that that battle level stuff that coaches like to talk about. And I know uh, lots of Islander fans start to shudder a little bit when they hear that phrase "battle level" because Jack Capuano used it so much. But Barry Trotz uses it a lot too, and it's it's a it's a coaching phrase that just means it's something different than effort. It's more in in key moments. Can you can you win a 50-50 puck? Can you win a, a strength battle in front of the net? Can you? get-good position on a forward who wants to park himself in front of your goalie to tie up his stick or keep him from being in a position to deflect the puck. And the Islanders have just slipped a bit uh, in this last month. And I understand that Noah Dobson, that's not going to be his forte. He's still a pretty skinny young man. But uh, but I think the time to take the blinders off has come just because what's what they've been trying to do with with playing mostly the other five defensemen, um, whether boychuk has been in or not, uh, it, it's starting to it's starting to, to fray a bit. It's it's frayed already. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's just sort of a, a common sense thing to me that in the short term, this is a guy with fresh legs who can maybe skate himself out of trouble. Um, maybe he's not going to be the most physical guy in your D zone, but maybe you're not going to play in the D zone very much. And really, with him in the lineup, in the second and third periods against Carolina, those are the best two periods in terms of D zone play that the Islanders have had probably since this this 2-7-3 skid started. So... Um, maybe there's there's a chance there to open things up a little bit more and, and get Dobson more involved. The more, um, not controversial because I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, the more interesting aspect of playing the kids I think falls to a guy like Oliver Wallstrom who, if he plays one more game in the NHL, will activate his entry-level deal. It can't slide to next year, and I understand those are important considerations, especially considering where the Islanders are with the salary cap. But I think in light of the trades that Lou Lamarillo made, giving up a second round pick in 2021 for Andy Green, giving up first and second round picks this coming June, most likely for JG Paggio. Um, And if they don't win the lottery, should they miss the playoffs and they don't win the lottery to get in the top three, that first round pick is gone. Uh, so when you make moves like that, not only are you saying we're absolutely trying to win now, and we've got a very veteran lineup that we need to win now because they're all highly paid um, and there's not a lot of, wiggle room for other things to happen. Um, You are basically saying our young prospects have to hit. Um, And Wallstrom has had a rough year. You know, he's still, he's got 10 goals and 21 points in the AHL in 44 games, which is not great, but it's not terrible for a team that just hasn't really struck gold in offense at all this year in Bridgeport. Um, he didn't have a point in nine games uh, up in the NHL, but I think he showed a little bit of uh, a little bit of confidence that he's going to need. Uh, and I don't know that you can start worrying about uh, contract, you know, second contracts, third contracts, RFA negotiations that are three, four, five, six years from now if you've already made this commitment to bulking up the current team with Pajot, sacrificing draft picks. So I'd be curious to see what Wallstrom could do. You know, I think Kiefer Bellows is probably uh, also a, a logical choice. Um, to my mind, Wallstrom is a, is a more important prospect than Bellows is, um, and he's maybe the guy that that could make a bigger difference than Bellows. Uh, and I'd be curious to see what he could do on a third line with a center like Pajot, who who can be a playmaker, who isn't just a get it in, get it out type of guy. Um, so you know. It, it, Those are hard things to decide to do in the last 15 games of a season, especially one where you're fighting for for your playoff lives. But I also feel like as important as these 15 games are, the the near-term future of their youth is super important. They're going to need Noah Dobson to be a regular next year. They're going to need Oliver Wallstrom to be much closer to being a regular next year because they have all these commitments elsewhere. They know that uh, if they miss the playoffs, they're going to need to do some serious juggling, whether it's buying guys out, trading contracts just for the sake of trading them without expecting much back. Um, there's going to be a lot of shuffling that's going to go on, even if they make it and get waxed by the Bruins or by the Flyers, or by the Caps. Um, this is maybe not the team that Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz thought it was because it's, it's been very mediocre for the larger percentage of the season than they were very good in those first two months. So um, in the short term, my view give the kids the few kids that you have a a little bit more of an opportunity to work in to be in key situations to play important games and maybe give uh, a tired looking lineup a bit of a jolt Um, you know judging by practice yesterday uh, we're taping this before the morning skate uh, which I think will be optional anyway so um, I don't think we'll get a preview of tonight but it looks like Michael Dalcol comes out and you know I think a lot of A lot of the the Islanders Twitter denizens will be happy about that because he hasn't produced a lot lately, but he still falls on the fringe of that category of, do you want a a 23, 24 year old guy who you drafted to be playing in key moments and playing a role that maybe he's going to play for a few years going forward? Or do you want 34 year old Andrew Ladd in there? Who's a guy that you've been trying to get rid of, whose contract is very onerous, who you'd love to buy out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know they are playing for right now. They are playing to get in the playoffs. It's important, but uh, they are playing for their near term future because they have still have some holes and that, that are going to need filling by guys on cheap entry level deals. And uh, you, you would think that you would want certainly the Noah Dobson, maybe Oliver Wallstrom, maybe Kiefer Bellows, probably Michael Dalcall in a third or fourth line role. I know he doesn't produce very much, but I think Barry Trotz is learning to trust him as a as a checking for checking type forward. Um, and maybe he's your fourth line left wing uh, on the with Casey Zizakis, uh, you know, next season, depending on what happens with Matt Martin. So, um, in the short term, there are some things. You know, I, I also mentioned in my piece uh, about the power play. They did make a switch back. They had had Ryan Pollock with Matthew Barzal's unit and switched Devon Taves to the other unit. Uh, that switched back in practice yesterday, and I think that's a smart one, just because. Pollock looks gassed in those extra minutes. You know, I think the the shorthanded goal that the Senators got uh, in Ottawa that kind of started to turn that game, Pollock had a puck go through his legs. He was kind of wrong-footed a little bit. All four forwards were sort of facing the other way. They couldn't get back. Um you know, I think you need a guy with the wheels that Taves has. If you're only going to have the one defenseman back there, I know Pullock has the big shot, and maybe you try to set him up for it a little bit more in a in a three forward two D rotation. I might go with Letty with him or Dobson with him on that on that other unit, uh, which is not happening. But uh, but I'm curious to see uh, how they sort it all out. And I think Taves really belongs with that Barzell group because of the way he can move and and kind of thread passes through. So. Um, not that they listened to me, but I imagine that change was in the offing anyway. I'd also suggested maybe moving Anders Lee away from the net a little bit just to give him a little bit more space and draw some attention away from the net and maybe slot Brock Nelson in there. Um, that's not going to happen. I know Anders Lee's uh, you know he he lives in that office in front of the net, but he's got two power play goals this season averaging about two minutes and 15 seconds of power play time a game. I know they don't get a ton of power plays, but when you don't get many, and you're a guy like Anders Lee who's made his living there and is already top 10 in the franchise history with 50 power play goals uh, in his career, you got to be able to produce more than two. And his second one did come in Ottawa the other day. So um, it's been a disappointing season for him, I imagine, on a lot of levels, and especially with that power play not operating at, at uh, decent capacity. So you know, maybe there's a switch to be made there. Maybe it's not the one to be made with 15 games to go, but I'm curious to see uh, if it continues to stumble down the stretch and into the offseason, whether they come up with some – some new uh, some new wrinkles to to make Anders Lee a more potent power play performer. Um, so tonight's game is is huge. Vancouver's on a similar kind of slide, a team that looked like they were in a in a solid playoff position and has uh, lost a few lately. There's there's their injury situation is a little bit more stark. Jacob Markstrom, who's probably was going to win the Vesna if he'd stayed healthy and maybe still will be a finalist, uh, has been out several weeks with a lower body injury. Their goalies are very inexperienced. Um, You know, the Islanders uh, had a very inexperienced goalie in net against Carolina and didn't generate a ton. Carolina is very good at keeping pucks away from their own net. Vancouver likes to play run and gun. I think we're going to see an important game for the Islanders, not just to start this four-game road trip where they need to get some points, but also can they be stingy and defensive-minded against a team with a lot of offensive weapons that likes to open it up, You know, Columbus was just here on Sunday and won a 2-1 game where Columbus just smothered the the Canucks and didn't let them have anything, just whacked pucks out of the zone, saves and covers. Um, So really that's the strategy the Islanders are going to need to kind of get themselves going and we'll see if they can resist the temptation to try to make some pretty plays uh, going into the offensive zone, uh, which have been pretty costly. There were a couple of those plays in Ottawa that, that really cost them. I don't think they can afford to open it up with considering how frustrating their offenses has been, how unlucky they've been hitting a lot of posts, missing nets. Um, so we'll see if they, can, uh, if they can play the proverbial good road first period, be simple and, uh, and consistent, and then sort of, you know, I think 2-1, one 3-2. If the game is in that range, that's probably where the Islanders want it. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S.-licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash Belmont for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Belmont for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. We talked about what the Islanders could... Change short term to give them a bit of a, a boost. Uh, Long term is a much more difficult conversation. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned you you go on the cap friendly side and you see what the honors' commitments are for next season. Now that they have Pajot signed, um, they're at seventy million and change already in salary cap commitments for next year. If you are a subscriber again and you read our my Toronto colleague James Myrtle's piece uh, from last week, sort uh, kind of debunking the the league's very rosy. Projections for next year at 84 to 88 million dollar salary cap, and we'll talk about the issues uh, surrounding the coronavirus outbreak uh, after this segment, and uh, and how they affect the short term. But in the long term, those are going to affect revenues, which will affect the salary cap, um, and that's kind of a wrinkle that certainly wasn't expected. So you can't bank on the cap going up by a significant amount. is, is what we're saying, and so the Islanders have these commitments already. That's without a Matthew Barzell contract, without a Ryan Pollock contract, without a Devon Taves contract. I think even if you go in conservative estimates on all three of those guys, that's pretty much all the cap space that you're looking at. If it if the cap say goes up to 83 million, 13 million, if you can get those three guys for 13 million, congratulations, you take it and run. Um, that leaves out a second goalie because they need one. Thomas Grice is an unrestricted free agent. Ilya Sorokin is probably coming in on a, on a one year entry level deal with lots of bonuses. Um, but that's still, you know, a million to 2.5 million or so in commitments. Um, it's, uh, it's looking pretty, uh, pretty grim from a salary cap standpoint in terms of making major changes. And especially if they miss the playoffs, if they make it and get beaten in five or six games, um, they'll know once again, as they did know after last season, that they need a scoring winger to plug into their top six. And whether it's Taylor Hall would be great. He's going to get $9 million, somewhere in that range. Mike Hoffman, whose name I've mentioned here before, um, maybe he gets a Thomas Vanek type deal, three times 6.5, three times seven. He's not going to want three years, but if he ends up having to get it because, because the good teams are cap-strapped and he wants to go someplace good, maybe you get lucky and, can get him on something shorter term, but it's not going to be anything less than what he's making now, which I believe is around five point two. Um, you still have to make room for it, and so there's going to be some decisions. I you know I think the fans feel a lot differently, clearly than the team. But but Lou Lamarillo brought in some of these veteran guys, uh, and Barry Trotz has utilized them very well. Um, so it's going to be difficult for them to make a decision on a Leo Komarov buyout. Let's say two more years at three million per. Um, it will save them some cap space. It will, it will allow them to use a roster spot on somebody else. I imagine that's probably at the top of the list. Matt Martin's an unrestricted free agent, probably the most beloved Islander of the last 15 to 20 years. Um, I wonder if they find room for him on just a million, one year, million dollar deal to say, look, we're not going to play every night, but you'll be here. Um, or maybe not. Maybe he decides he's worth more somewhere else, but I don't think there's going to be a major offer to him. Um, You know, Cal Clutterbuck is getting close to the end of his deal with a couple more years. So you wonder, is he maybe a buyout candidate? Um, And then you look on defense. Johnny Boychuk, two years left, $6 million cap hit, although the cash is very low, which might be appealing to some teams that need to get to the floor if there are going to be too many of those. Nick Letty, two more years at a $5.5 million cap hit. His name comes up a lot. It's certainly nothing personal to Nick. But uh, but when you look at guys that the Islanders have – with a with a moderate amount of term and salary left who are still can still be very useful pieces for other teams, he's probably the guy that's at the top of the list. You know, Josh Bailey with four more years at five million per, I don't know that is in that same category, but um but but trading Letty also allows you to to shuffle your the deck a little bit on D. If you trade Letty uh and not Boychuk, Boychuk becomes your number seven guy, maybe there's uh room to sign Andy Green to a cheap one year deal and have him stay in the in the bot, you know, be the be your third pair guy, and Noah Dobson becomes a regular on the right side. So, um, I'm curious to see uh, how Lou approaches this, and really, you know, hearing his comments at the trade deadline after the Pajot acquisition, and hearing Barry Trotz's comments about you know the the picks picks are uh, are a lottery ticket. JG Pajot is a guy that's an established player, and I certainly understand that in the short term and signing him long-term does make sense if you feel like these four centers that you have, Barzal, Brock Nelson, Pajot, Casey Zizekas, are going to be the foundation of your forward group. But uh, but they need somebody to, to put the puck in the net. You know, you look at, at Matthew Barzal, who has, I believe, uh, three goals in his last 35 games. He's still sitting third on the team in goals with 19. Um and he's producing tons of assists. He's making tons of plays. And, and to see Anders Lee at 20 on pace for another career low after only scoring 28 last year, Jordan Eberle at 15, you know, he scored 19 last year in a contract year and obviously came on late. And he's been good lately. But these are not guys that, you know, you need a 30 goal scorer to play alongside Matthew Barzell. No one, even in the system the Islanders play, they should have a guy who scores 30 on the wing. Um, and I think Barzell certainly feels that too, you know. Um I'd heard from a lot of fans about Elliot Friedman's comments uh on uh the Spit and Chicklets podcast that uh Barzell will for sure get an offer sheet and that maybe he's unhappy with the Islanders system. Um I'm not too sure about the second part. Uh I don't know that I know that Matthew Barzell's uh, a competitive guy and, and likes to see the the point numbers go up, but you know, he has a pretty stark example of in the recent past won the Calder trophy in a year when the Islanders played no defense. Had no shot of making the playoffs. Um, if he wants to go back there, in terms of an offer sheet, you know, feel free. I don't know that there's many teams uh, that are ready to compete. You know, maybe the Canadians, uh, in terms of teams that are have the cap space and uh, and the the draft pick compensation to try to make a big offer sheet. And they were the ones that did make an offer to Sebastian Aho, although it was uh, it was very conservative, and the Canes matched it right away. I imagine that whatever offer sheet Barzal gets, the Islanders will match because he is their. One star player up front. Um, my sense tells me now that uh, you know, instead of talking, you know, I'm sure the Islanders would love to get him to a sign to a seven or eight year deal. I imagine that uh, Barzal and his camp will push more for four or five years, to, the sort of deal to walk you right up to unrestricted free agency. And I don't know that the Islanders will have a choice if the, if they can wrangle the numbers below 10 million, if it's four years and say nine or nine and a half. Um, I think if I'm Lula Amarillo at this point, with all the other commitments I have, I'd take it because you just sort of kick that decision a few years down the road. And in four years, there's another team in the league. Um, you know, some of your other contracts, Everly, Bailey, are closer to being up. So you have a little bit more flexibility. Presumably, the cap will be up more. There'll be a new TV contract. So, you know, I think uh, I don't think it's going to be a two year, six or seven million dollar bridge deal like Patrick Line took, or I don't think it's going to be something super long term, six or seven years. I think I think we're looking more in the Mitch Marner range in terms of term. I don't know that he'll get quite as much as Mitch Marner. Um, but uh, but we'll see. It's I don't think it's going to be a very a very easy process either. So um, the real mandate I think for Lou Lamarillo is is to find a guy that can that can ride shotgun with Matthew Barzal and there's going to be a lot of a lot of juggling of other contracts Letty Lad, um, you know, uh, do the Islanders revisit the Zach Parise deal in the off season? Does that make sense in an off season when you can go out and um, trade or spend for someone you know a little bit younger than Zach Parise is going to be thirty six when next season starts with four years left on his on his contract? Um, it's going to be a busy summer for Lou Lamoureux, that's for sure, and I'm curious to see. How he handles it all, how he handles letting go of some guys that have, uh, you know, that have been loyal and important to this team in the last couple of years. Um, how he handles maybe sh- trading guys that don't necessarily that you wouldn't normally want to get rid of, but you have to for cap reasons. Um, the Islanders are going to be in a, in a different sort of situation than they've been in in a long time with all the commitments for next year. So um, uh, it's going to be a difficult offseason for the Islanders, and a much more difficult one if they miss out these last 15 games. All week, we're going to be hearing win and you're in, which means it's conference tournament time. Who's going to be representing the Big East in March mania? We'll know by Sunday. But what I know right now is DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, can get you in on all the college hoops action. As the madness begins, DraftKings Sportsbook has great promos and odds boosts happening all week. DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code QUICK and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So we'll wrap it up uh, today with a little discussion of all the, all the stuff that's been going on around uh, the coronavirus outbreak in the States and in Canada. Um, I'm sitting here in Vancouver. There's not a lot of precautions being taken here, but the league, uh, in conjunction with the NBA and Major League Baseball and MLS Soccer, uh, made the announcement uh, yesterday that all locker rooms would be closed. The Islanders closed theirs on Saturday um, and brought players out to uh, kind of a, a makeshift uh, interview area. Um, we were all in pretty close quarters in that hallway, all of us media people. So, you know, I think there's definitely, um, you know, some raised eyebrows at whether this is effective or not. Um, I can only give my perspective as someone who's been going into pro locker rooms for 20 years now, Um you know, when the flu bug goes around a hockey team, you're pretty much guaranteed to get something, even a cold going around, because it's a it's an airless room. They try as hard as they can. You know, the, the equipment staff does, and and the the arena staffs do a great job cleaning because they need. You know, they're they're worried about things like MRSA. You know, any sort of in, in infections that might transfer easily from from equipment to player, player to player. So they're they're. Um, Cleaning techniques are pretty are pretty well-developed. Um, but we're kind of the foreign bodies in there. You know, they can control the players and the coaches, the, the limited number of people and the staff that goes in there, but but we're kind of a wild card. So um, it's not a great situation. You know, I've seen some of my colleagues, even colleagues at The Athletic, say worry about uh, whether this is a, a forerunner to locker rooms permanently being closed and going more to the international mix zone type situation, which doesn't allow for... Um, you know, better relationships to build, which usually develops into better stories. And I totally understand that. I can I can certainly think of time that I've spent sitting in an empty locker, talking to a player off the record about something that, that germinates into a story idea and becomes something really good. Um, but also, I think there's a bigger picture at work here. You know, I think as traveling sports writers, we're worried about our own health and safety and spreading things to our families uh, to wives and husbands and partners and children and, and parents. Um, So it's, you know, I I have a hard time immediately pointing the finger and shouting conspiracy at, uh, at, at any league that is trying to take steps basically in the dark because we're all sort of in the dark right here. And, um, you know, I think, I think you can still get your work done in a in an outside environment. It is tough, uh, you know. I, I feel fortunate. I've covered a lot of other sports. Hockey is definitely the one with the with the smallest media crew, and certainly covering the Islanders, you reduce that by a little bit more. There were times when I worked at Newsday where I was the only media person in a locker room in the days before Team Digital Media. Um, so you get used to that uh, that freedom to to roam around and talk to whoever you want, and always have uh, private conversations. And uh, that doesn't happen in baseball, and it doesn't happen in in basketball for sure. So, uh, I understand the frustrations of the reporters who cover those 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 sports. Um, I do feel pretty strongly that it's going to be temporary, and I hope that it's temporary. You know, I think we're also starting to be concerned. You see what happened uh, in Santa Clara County; um, they've basically canceled sharks games or restricted fans from going to them. Um, the playoffs are coming up in a month. Do we do we feel that this? Outbreak is going to resolve itself well enough in a month for there to be large, large-scale public gatherings. I wish I knew. I'm certainly not uh, any sort of medical professional or scientist, so um, it seems like it's not headed that way. It seems like it's only headed for more restrictions. Where I live in Connecticut, they just canceled all of the all of the high school postseason tournaments, which are all in full swing, which is which is awful for for all the kids playing their games. But uh, but this is not done lightly. So. Um, you know, I, I think we had our first off day yesterday after practice of not being in the locker room, and uh, you know, I think it went fine. There's only there's only a few of us. Um, the Islanders put some of their interviews up online. I had a private conversation with a couple of guys. Newsday had some private conversations. A couple other local reporters did. I think it's I think for our purposes in hockey, it's going to work out fine. You know, when you're in Toronto in a post game locker room, you're not getting much anyway. Um, you're just sort of sticking your your phone or your or your Recorder in there and hoping for the best because it's just hard to it's hard to have any private time. You know, the media, the, the number of media has grown so much over the last few years. So um, that's not much of a definitive answer. I'm not angry about it. I'm more concerned about uh, people's well-being, my own, my family's, teams. Uh, if a player on a team gets it, I wonder what will happen if we have to go to the playoffs and play games in front of empty arenas. I wonder what the point of that would be since playoffs are such an emotional time and to have them basically be played under conditions you would play a midnight shinny game doesn't seem worth it. So I think there's a lot of options on the table behind the scenes for for the NHL and for the other leagues. Um, and we just have to sort of have to re- respond and react when they make their decisions because they're certainly not being made with any sort of light regard to what's going on. Anyway, uh, uh, ending on a bit of a down note, but we'll see what happens with the Islanders on this trip. I'll be here uh, for the game tonight in Vancouver, out in Calgary on Thursday. We'll have another episode up on uh, on Friday while they're in the middle of this road trip, and the Islanders need points. They're out of the playoffs as, you, as they sit right now. They can get back in with a couple of wins, and, uh, and they definitely need them. So thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you soon.